welcome to episode 32 of the F1 show for the 2008 British Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lowndes. We had a spectacular race in the rain today. Lewis Hamilton. Let me say it again. Lewis Hamilton dominates on the wet Silverstone track, winning the British Grand Prix by over 65 seconds. Let's put that in different terms. Hamilton lapped fourth place with seven laps to go in the race. A staggering performance. This puts the McLaren driver into a three-way tie in the driver's championship between himself and the two Ferrari drivers of Raikkonen and Massa, all with 48 points. It doesn't matter who came in second, but we'll tell you anyway. Nick Heidfeld collected eight points for BMW Sauber. His usually faster teammate, Robert Kubica, spun off course. And a surprisingly strong drive from Rubens Barrichello was rewarded with his first trip to the podium in years. He finished third for Honda. Raikkonen made lemonade out of a bad call from Ferrari to not change tires in his first pit stop and finished fourth. Fellow Finn, Heike Kovalainen, managed fifth, a disappointment considering his brilliant run for pole 24 hours prior. Behind him came the Renault-driving Spaniard of Alonso. Yarno truly was seventh for Toyota, and Kaz Nakajima did well to collect a point and finish eighth in the Williams. Jim, classic British weather prevailed today. Your thoughts? I mean, it was really pretty crazy. We had a little bit of uh, rain in qualifying, but not enough to really shake up the order, um, which I think is good because I think it's always, you know, it can really mess up a whole weekend if there's just rain at just a wrong time in qualifying and, and everything is topsy-turvy as far as the leaderboard. And it's kind of interesting just to see, you know, the passes that the fast guys can make when they start at the back. But ultimately, I like it when, you know, things start in, in about the right order. Um, and, and nothing's too squirrely from the get-go. Absolutely. There was a little bit of rain in the Q1 session, but it pretty much dried by the end of that session. Yeah. And it was dry for the rest of the day. And, I mean, Lewis Hamilton was struggling on his uh, his run for pole. I mean, the end of Q3, um, he had a spin on like a second-to-last lap and actually just a, a really went really wide and went off track. Um, but then it just looked like he was really fighting for grip, especially in the very last couple of corners of the track in the uh, Luffield Complex. And uh, it just couldn't make it happen. And so well done to Heki Kovalainen for his first career pole. He was on pole and had over a half a second gap to the outside pole, which actually came to Mark Weber. Yeah, the of all pole. people. <laughs> exactly. And Weber did had a brilliant lap. He was well ahead of Kimi Raikkonen in third. Yeah. And uh, funny little side note, Weber looked so much older and bigger than uh, Kovalainen and Raikkonen on the qualifying interview podium. He looked like uh, their dad to me. Absolutely. <laughs> but and, and there was actually a pretty big gap. I mean, Heike Kovalainen's Q3 was a 121.05. Uh, um, so, like you say, a half second back to Mark Weber, and then another two-tenths back from Weber to Kimi Raikkonen. Right. Um, and then another tenth down to uh, down to Lewis Hamilton. So it was pretty spread out uh, considering, you know, so I guess that comes down to the different fuel loads and just the mistakes and everything people have, you know, getting into uh, getting this final qualifying run. But Felipe Massa, man. Yeah, I was just going to say that. A 23-3 to collect ninth. I mean, he started the weekend um, in Friday practice with a really big crash. He spun on some oil put down by Fernando Alonso's Renault when it blew up. Um, the Ferrari ma- the Ferrari team really got together and rebuilt the car, got him back out in the same session um, to, to put some laps down. It looked like his car was okay technically, um, but uh, he just... Massa just did not make it happen at all this weekend. No, and uh, can I point out that two races ago, everyone was clamoring on about how Massa may be better than Raikkonen and maybe perhaps Raikkonen's retiring and all these other things. Like, all this kind of like, wow, Massa is actually going to be the new number one and stuff. 
can we can we finally just put this one to bed now? Yeah, well, I, mean, I think Raikkonen has proven once again he is a superior driver. He's far more. When Raikkonen goes off, he's off by a little. When Massa goes off, he's nowhere to be seen. And we should say Raikkonen did have a couple of offs today as well, but. I mean, we got. I got an email from uh, our friend Derek Carolla, um, who's who's been on the show before and with us, leaving a Skype voicemail and all that. Um, and he sort of makes a distinction between drivers with natural talent, like Kimi Raikkonen seems to have, um, versus drivers who just work really hard. And that seems to be what Moss is doing. And so I think we can give Moss a credit for really working hard. I mean, he's working his ass off. I don't think we can, we can go and say he's being lazy about it and not caring. Um, but he, I just don't think he's got the quite the natural ability, the, the finished car control or what have you, to uh, to really hang, especially in the wet. It really seems like his weak spot. I'd be just as happy with not giving Massa any credit for working hard. Okay, fair enough. Um, so so anyway, I mean, Massa ended up having he spun like six times in the race. It was, oh, at it least was really ridiculous. At least, um, and I don't know if Ferrari just got the, they clearly made the wrong tire call. Okay, when they kept Kimi Raikkonen out on his used set of intermediates, he came in for fuel, went right back out with the same set of tires on. These are intermediate tires, and they're pretty hard. They'll last a while, and, and as they wear down, um, if the track starts drying out, they actually do they do better because the, the little bit of tread that's on those tires will wear down, and they practically, practically become slicks. Um, and they made that same call for Massa to yes. leave those tires on, but that turned out not to be the not to be the wise way to go. I mean, when there was a little bit more rain, um, now all of a sudden they've got no tread, and when there's rain, it just made them they were just slip sliding around. So right. it was a bad call from Ferrari. They've admitted that, and they basically, Ferrari basically says we're ready to move on. We need to learn from our mistakes and move on to fight back in Germany. And they've of pretty much written off the weekend. But let's let's take a look at this. Okay, the exact same thing happened to Raikkonen and his Massa. They they both kept the old intermediate tires on the car that they started with after the first pit stop turned out to be a bad call. Raikkonen ended up finishing fourth. Massa finished 13th, two laps down. Well, I mean, you he can't vote the, the guy. He's, he, he's not finished. I mean, what, he what's was, he going to do? He was the slowest driver that didn't retire on the track. That's true. Um, so I don't know if maybe there was still a problem with, with, uh, with his car that he's going to try to blame that on or... I guess, well, no, here's an article right here. Massa is at a loss to explain his errors, uh, his catalog of errors, as they say. Well. Um, he was two laps down. Felipe Massa, let me let me fill you in. You're not that good. All right, let's move on. There you have it. Raikkonen's better. So, but the, I mean, I think the big story this weekend is it, this really was Hamilton's return to form. That was unbelievable. I, I mean. That it, was just shocking and how as, good he And as was. a Hamilton fan myself, I was, you know, even, and, and talking to one of my friends in, in England over the last week, um. You know, we basically we're both crossing our fingers, but saying there's got to be some way he's going to screw this up. I mean, everything looks like it was coming around back in his direction um, for for Hamilton. I, I mean, right? Um, he was he was fast in the testing. Yeah, session the testing last was week. going well. The practice was looking good. Actually, Heike Kovalainen was looking was fastest in a couple of practice sessions. So that that was. Uh, a good indicator there, but it's like, okay, McLaren's doing really well. It looks like Ferrari doesn't quite have the pace, but we weren't sure if maybe Ferrari were sandbagging or maybe there was some other issue there. Um, and we sort of, like, you hesitate to get too excited just because of Hamilton's luck's been so bad so, you know, lately. Well, and, and we have seen errors. that before where Ferrari never seems all that great until the race day, and then yeah. they're always good. So, and, you know, it, but I guess we can put our fears aside because Hamilton won this thing handily. And this reminded me of, of, like, Hamilton's performances last year when we'd have these races and everything would be changing. Everything would be so convoluted behind him. But he would just be off, you know, with a great lead in hand, just driving away with it. Well, before anyone knew Hamilton's name, at least in the States, uh, we heard a lot about this kid, Hacky Kovalainen, because of a really brilliant uh, result he had in the Race of Champions a few years back mm-hmm. where 
he he bested Michael Schumacher. Yeah, the Schumacher just, thing. And he's like, yeah, this guy's going to be a phenom. Then he did really well in GP2. He's like, wow, this kid's going to be really fast. Well, now Kovalainen and Hamilton are on the same team, and, and Hamilton's just at another level. And I think you could see it in the race about the only people – I think you can distinguish three drivers from the rest. And Certainly I would, it was very clear today, very clear. Alonzo, Raikkonen, and Hamilton, to me, are the three best drivers in F1 today. And I think you could see that in how they drove. Those those three, to me, are a level better than anybody else. Yeah, ha- uh, or Alonzo made a couple of errors today. Um, he definitely, I mean... I mean, everyone made some errors today. I mean, even, even Hamilton Reichen had a spin. spin a couple times. Yeah. Hamilton himself had a spin. Yeah, so and his spin was a bit lucky. Had he been somewhere else, that could have ended very differently. Yeah. Um, and, and Kubitz is quite good. I just I, Kubitz maybe is in between. He, he might be a half step towards it. But Yeah, that's the only, th- that's the only other guy I would say. But, um, but, I mean, I don't think anyone had a completely clean race today. I mean, there right. were there were actually no safety cars, strangely enough. Yes. I mean, no really big crashes on track. And, you know, uh, we had Nico Rosberg running into the back of Yarno Truly for no, uh, you know, obvious reason, um, which took his front wing off, and that was looking a little bit hairy if he was going to make it all the way back around the lap to get into the pits, but he, he made it okay. Um, and thank goodness for Hamilton because that would be the last thing he would want is when he's got a minute lead to have a safety car, bunch everybody up, and then Rubens Barrichello would be back there with full wet tires looking very strong for the last, you know, 10 laps of the race. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was definitely – everything kind of worked out for Hamilton today, and, and it, he made it work. But um, I hope they can continue that pace, though, because uh, I've been a little down on uh, Hamilton and everybody lately just with uh, some of his mistakes and some it's, of his luck. It's so going to be tough, and I think Hockenheim's going to be a great, great – Ferrari track once again, you know, and it, it's going to be tough. It might be a good Renault track too, actually. But uh, I don't think, I don't think you can take anything away from Hamilton today. I, that performance was unbelievable. And and the one thing I wanted to point out uh, is the only person that really seemed to have any kind of pace to match Hamilton's was Raikkonen. Um, throughout the first stint of the race, Hamilton was behind Reich. Well, uh, Kovalainen was, Kovalain was holding on pretty well for a while, but then once, for a little while, once Hamilton then got around, back, him, he, he seemed to fall yeah. back. And then, and we need to talk about the start of this race, in fact. And let's let's do that now. Okay. Okay. Kovalainen started on pole. He had a great pole lap, but yep. then right at the right of the opening crack, Hamilton, who started fourth. Got a great launch and shot right around Weber. Yeah, Kimi Raikkonen had a good a good launch too, but he sort of got bollocked up uh, behind Weber and with Hamilton over on one side, he didn't really have anywhere to go. So right, but looks uh, like he Kimi was behind Weber and Kovalainen. Yep, and Kovalainen managed to inch ahead, but so Raikkonen held third place, but Hamilton's shot almost took the lead right in a turn one. Yeah, he was all over Kovalainen. Yeah, his, for his the nose of his car was in front of Kovalainen's, but he just couldn't quite hold it through cops there. Right, and. And he was all over Kovalainen for the first few laps, then got around him and took off. Yeah, and and then it was those top three drivers ahead of the rest of the field. I mean, it was Nick Heidfeld behind them, I believe. Yeah, um, and he and was five, six seconds back. Yeah, and even after just a couple of laps, he was losing quite a bit of time. And so then if, and then a few laps later, Raikkonen got around Kovalainen as well and was actually catching Hamilton yep. for a little while. And they were about two or three seconds behind each other, got into the pits right behind each other. Yeah. That was cool, and, and, and so Raikkonen was the only one that could hold, could keep up with Hamilton. Yep, and then once they changed tires, uh, or w- once Hamilton changed tires, and and Kimi did not, uh, then it was all over. Then Hamilton just just walked away from Kimi. It was that, that was just was, a poor call. That was amazing. And so it, basically, what it seemed like was Ferrari was banking on no more rain to come for a while. The track was continued to get drier, and then 
a worn-out intermediate tire actually puts a little bit more rubber down to the road than a fresh one, and it would have helped. It would have helped for grip, but it just it started raining again almost right away. Yeah, and it seems like Ferrari just didn't have a wet setup going um, as far as the suspension and the wings and everything else. And you can make wing changes, but uh, I, I would have thought. I mean, because. I would have thought the Ferraris would have done better. I mean, Kimi did did sort of, I feel like, fought with the car to do as well as he did. I would agree. And Massa couldn't quite, you know, get the same out of the car. But it wasn't like the car was helping them. I mean, I feel like maybe Ferrari just really got the weather forecast wrong or differently or something to, um, they they figured it was going to dry out and they figured they were going to, you know, take a bit of a gamble. But, I mean, when you're, I guess when you're not leading, you can take more of a gamble. But it just seems like they could have had a much better setup, much more suited to the conditions and, and had the wings sorted out and the suspension and everything sorted out a bit better for the wet. And maybe that was just you know, lucky or better planning on McLaren's part, but they really had it this weekend. Well, you know, Ferrari is one of the few teams that isn't based in England and uh, not used to that weather, and maybe that was just a poor call on their Oh, part. they've had such good success at Silverstone in the past, though. I mean, come on, we can't. They've had one-twos with Schumacher and Barrichello and all that. And, I mean, of they, course. They, they ought to know what happens at this circuit. They, they ought to. Yes. Who knows? I want to talk about Rubens Barrichello, though, for a second. On the podium. On the podium. Okay, and that was a cool story because uh, where did he start? He was... Well, he was, he was down. Can he was we, in can 16th we say down? spot. Is that close enough? Yeah, 16th. Um, that he started, and again, it was a tire call that that worked out in his favor. I mean, he was he's the only one. I think the only one. No, there were a couple okay. that were on full wets, but uh, I guess the only one to make really you know make good out of he the was whole the only one deal. That made good um, use. Of he went list. on full wet tires, and and it really looked like that was the tire to be on, and it clearly was. He was like three or four, you know, sometimes five seconds a lap faster than most of the rest of the field, including Hamilton. Yeah. And, and he was making up quite a bit of ground, but he was just so far back at that point. There was I don't think it was ever really a threat for the lead for the well, win. Well, and the one the mistake they seemed to make was not put enough fuel in the car to go to the end of the race. Yeah, they, they had a, a full wet bit on. of a whether it was pit stop bad timing or miscommunication or something where they had both cars. Uh, right, uh, Barrichello was in the pits, and then Jensen pulls in behind him, and they had to let Barrichello go. And uh, you know they probably just didn't didn't have enough fuel in the car at that point, and they had to let Some, him go. Something weird happened there that might have caused the problem. It might have just been strategy mistake. We don't know. But, actually, Barrichello was ahead of Heidfeld before he made that pit stop. And Barrichello could have been second. Yeah. Very, very easily could have been second. So, I mean, since Honda sort of had nothing to lose, you know, if they, they took the gamble to go into full wets and made great result out of it, I'm obviously obviously a podium for them is, is a huge deal. Um, and that's, you know, that I guess where does that put... Uh, Rubens Barrichello now 10th in the championship with uh, with 11 points. I mean, it's a, it's a big jump for him. Well, but yeah, think about it. Six points up. for He was five points down, which would have put him, you know, where? 14th. <laughs> 14th. So he, it moved him up quite a bit. Yeah, so, I mean, a big result for them. But it's I guess Honda is good enough to capitalize when everything just sort of happens to go their way with the tires and with the weather and the rain and everything. It shows that they have reasonably good drivers. Yeah. It's just the cars... Yeah. It's pitiful. But, I mean, even Ross Braun has said, look, we're done with this car. They've frozen development on it. They're focusing on 2009. That that car is just uh, just going through the motions at this point. Yeah. So, and it's – I thought we heard that out of Honda last year, and I guess this is – so this is the result of them freezing development halfway through last year and, and working on, on this year's car. And I guess we'll just hold out hope that next year's car is better, right? Yeah. I mean. Well, I mean, the difference is they have Ross Braun now as a team principal – and he's a sharp guy. We've said that, and I think you know we also said that you don't see any real changes due to Ross Braun until 2009. But I mean, I think I wouldn't have been surprised if Ross Braun was one of the people that had a hand in saying, "Let's go to full wets," which is something I want to bring up here because Silverstone, uh, being in Britain, 
being the way it is, it's it's known to be a wet track, and it was actually quite wet at times during this race here. And the drivers have essentially three levels of tire. They have full wet, they have intermediate, and they have dry. Yeah. Now, what did we see almost every driver on in the wettest parts of this race? Yeah, it was like it, it was maybe only like three or four cars on full wet tires. Everyone else on this intermediate. Right. Which is for so-called for changing conditions. Exactly. So... Here's my question to, I suppose, Bridgestone and to Formula One in general. Why is the intermediate what, – what is the purpose of the full wet tire? It's almost never used. Yeah. And half the time that t- teams do decide to actually go full wet, half the time they red flag the race because you can't see anyone. Yeah, I think the only time we've seen the entire field on full wets was uh, in J- uh, Japanese Grand Prix last year, which was like monsoon conditions, and, and they had to red flag it for, for rain and you know they, or they delayed it. It was like – I mean – Hardly even suitable to have cars on track, and they say, oh, well, this is the perfect tire for these conditions. Right. And I think that Bridgestone has missed the mark. I think the intermediate tire should be the full wet tire, and then the intermediate tire should truly be something that is for drying conditions and they they just need to move they need to move it over move a couple it levels drier of drier. In, in the spectrum. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. then that would have been a harder that would have been a tougher call because we're at times where an intermediate tire uh, from what they had to the dry would have been the right tire to go, and you could have seen something that would have affected strategy more than leaving the tires on that they had. And I don't, I don't understand why full wets are almost never used, and I think it's almost meaningless to have the tire. And I think they should rethink the strategy. Yeah, I guess where it is right now because there's such a big difference. I mean, it's always pretty dramatic when we see the difference between intermediates and dries is huge. Oh sure, absolutely huge, and it's always dramatic when when the you know, the conditions are drying and there's a dry line forming, but it's still kind of usually wet off the line to see, you know, who's going to be the first one to pull the trigger, who's going to go to dries and make that gamble. Because it's so night and day. And it almost always goes wrong for, like, the first guy. Um, so I guess I don't know if it would would it make the racing better if if that tire, you know, if, if someone could be pretty successful on that condition, um, if there were a tire that were closer to the dry tire. Because um, I feel like... It's such a big difference. It, it just kind of throws out the strategy and, and really makes you rethink um, the race. And I think your pit stop strategy is governed more by the track conditions and the weather and whether or not it's going to start clearing up or whether or not the track is dry enough. Right. And it comes down to so much luck. And I guess um, I, it's hard to say, but, you know, would, would the racing be better if the wet tire were, you know, more suitable for drying conditions? And uh, I think it probably would be. Right. And my, my answer to that question would be today <coughs> – it definitely would have been. Yeah. I think Silverstone, that would have given a little bit more flexibility in the strategy. You might have seen Ferrari go to that intermediate tire, that theoretical intermediate tire we're talking about, and it still would have gone wrong for them. But for a couple of laps, they might have been wicked quick. Who knows? And and that would have made the racing more interesting. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a corollary, too, to I think how we both feel about the difference between the um, prime and option tires uh, between you know the, the white stripe softer tires and the regulars Absolutely. that if that were a more dramatic difference um, that that would just make things a little more interesting where it's not because there's not I mean there's really not like a noticeable difference in lap times um, you know that that can't be explained by traffic and by other things I mean it, it, there is a difference but it's not it's not nearly as dramatic as it seems like there ought to be but you know for all the hassle of the regulations of having you have to run this tire and you have to run that tire um, it doesn't seem like there's that much of a you know real difference in lap times. To make it worth all that, um, you know, it doesn't change their strategy all that much. It's just sort of a, it seems like the Ferraris can do better with the soft tires, so they usually run two softs and one hard stint. The McLarens usually run one, one soft and two hards. 
but it's like all kind of a wash in the end. And it's right, not exactly. it's not as though they're going to plan it out so that they um, really have this huge performance advantage from the softer tire and can you know plan where they want to place that in the race or whether they want to use that at the beginning or the end or, or you know or even to let the you know slower cars if they had such a boost from these tires um, that they would be able to you know make up a bunch of positions and then try to defend those positions I think that could be a lot more interesting than it is so I guess move everything to a bit, a bit drier in the spectrum and exactly exactly and make be the the option tire really wicked quick so this would be an excellent thing that I'd love to hear from you guys tell us what you think about the tires in this situation you know am I am I full of beans here should I uh, should I be put out to pasture if I'm thinking such things? Or am I absolutely right or somewhere in the middle? Let us know what you think. So feedback at F1show.com or just uh, visit F1show.com and click on the Facebook link there. That's a good way. There's chat rooms and stuff there. We can uh, we can hash these things out. I want to mention quickly the, the Renault team. Um, sure. Fernando Alonso qualified sixth and Nelson Piquet seventh. Yes. He was right there. Um, although, unfortunately, Nelson was able to put two laps in and then he spun off track and... Uh, had, uh, or no, he put in 35 laps. I'm sorry, he was he was like halfway through the race, yeah. and uh, and and spun, um, and just got itself just got the car beached in the gravel. Um, and I mean, there were about seven cars out of the race. There were a lot of people, and every in every case, it was just spinning off sure, track. Sure, but and he beached. was one of the worst. He was having lots of trouble in lots of different places. Just didn't seem to be able to control his right foot. Yeah, enough. and I don't know how much Brazilian drivers really get the chance to race in the rain. I mean, I, he's been in Europe for some time, and I was thinking the same thing about, you know, we were talking about Felipe Massa in the same sure, way. Sure. Where someone like Lewis Hamilton, you know, if you've raced in in Europe and since especially you were a in kid, England. In go-karts. Since forever. I mean, it's just, it's probably pretty natural. And, you know, the Finnish are sort of known for that with the snow and rallying and everything that uh, that's involved in Finland. But, um, you know, it's like Nelson Piquet, I don't know how many times he's really been out in the rain, and, and it's like he qualified right up there with Alonso. I mean, it was, it was, in the dry. It was close. Yeah, when in, in dry conditions, um, and so I think he's still pushing pretty hard, but I don't know if he was pushing too hard once it got wet or really just doesn't have the skill. Um, but the other um, two-driver combination we've been talking about lately is Heidfeld versus Kubica, um, and Heidfeld just seemed to do better this weekend. Heid, Heidfeld did do better. I, I'm a little curious if Heidfeld maybe got a talking to similar to Piquet got, but it was just a little bit more private than Piquet's, saying, listen, hey, you really got to step up. Kubica's shown what this car is capable of, and if you don't show the same thing... You're going to have to find another job. Yeah, and it's sort of the same situation there because Robert Kubica um, had a spin. I mean, he started um, – where was he? He was 10th. Um, yeah, he, he had problems in qualifying. He actually had a bad rear damper yeah, the gearbox and couldn't fit. even go out in Q3, so he started 10th. As oh, was it a suspension thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, so he started out more poorly, and I guess he's back in the fray there, but, you know, never – didn't have, a, like, a brilliant run-up um, like, you know, Barrichello. Uh, so – um, you know, and Heidfeld ended up second. So I mean, it was a really good result for them. Um, and I, I'm not sure if that really settles anything in the in the driver debate there, though. As far as if if Heidfeld's really, you I know, mean, the, it, up you there can, with you Kubica. can't you can't change your opinion entirely based on one race because, uh, you know, that's that's what was going on between Massa and Raikkonen. You know, Massa had a couple good weekends. Raikkonen's were was a little off, and and everyone says Raikkonen's going to retire next year. And Raikkonen, by the way, was interviewed and asked that question. He said, I have a contract that goes through 09. Like, why, why are, are you guys, guys asking me this about? question? So uh, what? Uh, that's – I don't know. So, no, I don't think that changes it. I think I think Heidfeld is a, is a better driver than some people gave him credit for when he wasn't doing so well. Um, but I think Kubica has proven to be the superior driver, and uh, I think it's going to remain that way. And, you know, wet conditions bring out – bring out different performance. Adrian Sutil, again, he was doing really well. He was up to 12th. 
He started 21st, I believe, in qualifying. And, or, I'm sorry, yeah, 19th. Or 19th, yeah. 19th. And, Second uh, to uh, Giancarlo Fisichella, dead last. Fisichella, but dead last, right, exactly. And he was up to 12th, but then he had a spin and he was out. Uh, but Adrian Sutil is another guy who really, he shows a lot of potential when, when the conditions get wet. Yeah. Um, just to close up uh, what we were talking about with Honda there, it was a faulty fuel rig on Rubens' car, which is uh-huh. why he was his car was still there, and then he had to, he had to go out late and all that. But, um, was gl- I mean, he obviously made the most of that, so that was... That was good times. Um, I want to talk about the future of uh, of Silverstone and the future of the British Grand Prix. I mean, this, uh, this yes, came out this weekend. There of it that um, next year's race for 2009 will be at Silverstone, but from 2010 through at least 2015, um, the FIA has signed a contract with Donington Park, and hmm. which is down you know much farther south in England, um, and that it's a you know a pretty big problem in the in the paddock. I mean, a lot of the drivers, a lot of the teams, really like Silverstone. It was where the first Grand Prix was held as part of a Formula One championship. It's it's home it's, to Cops, which is a sweet, sweet, sweet corner. Yeah, it's a great driver's track. I mean, it's got a lot of these fast corners that drivers really like. But more importantly, I think as far as these F1 uh, tracks go, the facilities are really, really good. I mean, they've got they just revamped the pit lane a bunch. Of, you know, in the well, in that the was one of the complaints a couple years ago, wasn't it? That the the facilities were old and they they, they dumped a ton of money yeah. to fix them. And so, I mean, the facilities are quite. Good with all the all the hospitality suites and the media area and all the room for the motorhomes and the access. And, I mean, they and they had a helicopter shot of that. Yeah. on the television coverage, you saw. Jeez, it, the Formula One takes up so much space. Exactly. So it's going to take literally over a hundred million dollars to get Donington Park um, up to the level of of what Silverstone already has. And it just sort of, it, it's kind of, I mean, it seems kind of like a waste that there's already this brilliant circuit that's got all the history and it's it's a known quantity, it's all it's all good, but that um, the British Racing Drivers Club, who owns Silverstone, um, just couldn't come to an agreement with Bernie Ecclestone, um, which it basically, it just comes down to money because Bernie wants to get as much money from the British race as he gets from the other European races, um, which it turns out the, you know, the other race organizers really don't make much in the way of profit off these events. I mean, sure. FIA is really like the iron fist, and I think Bernie knows that, um, those those tracks need F1 more than F1 needs those tracks because I guess he's got you know offers for for new races all over the world coming up every you know every couple of weeks so um, you know Bernie just sort of says hey I want to make as much money from you guys as I do from everyone else and I'm not sure how the people at Donington Park were able to put it together and and you know bring the money together but um, it's you know for at least five years um, you know no more Silverstone and that's I think a shame it's it's because Donington Park I mean it's there were there were European there were uh, formerly European races or it wasn't F one but it was uh, you know Ayrton Senna back in '93 um, had a had a you know great victory there in the rain but it's just that the, the quality of the track and the quality of the facilities is just not to the level of Silverstone so I think that's no. a bit of a shame. I do have one question about that. Uh, what a, I know that one big problem with Silverstone is getting out to that track is apparently that's a huge bottleneck. There's basically one road that goes out to the track. And it's it's kind of a nightmare to get out there unless you own a helicopter or a bicycle. And is Donington Park going to be any better for that? Does that weigh into it at all? I mean, are the fan is it going to be more accessible for the fans? I'm not sure. Um, I'm actually looking on the Donington Park website right now and trying to see, uh, you know, quite it's it's layout and everything and, and exactly where it is. I mean, I guess if anything, um, you know the the. Silverstone thing is a known quantity. I mean, they've got the roads all they they know what, you know, certain roads get closed down. Some people that get sort of stuck in where they are in their in their city if uh, the main road is closed for the Grand Prix. Um, but uh, when I was there, we actually rode bicycles in um, to to bypass all the traffic and ride into the circuit. So there I mean it it works. I mean they sell, it's a sellout crowd. So it's not like 
people are shying away from the race because they can't get there. I mean, yeah, there's delays. There's it's, but that's I mean, sort of it's out in the English countryside. Uh, there aren't interstate highways that go every which way. So it, I think that's kind of a necessary evil for something like that. And these racetracks, sort of by definition, have to be out um, away from populated areas just because the, the the amount of land and the amount of noise and everything that it takes. So. Um, well, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, I think if if part of the all the uh, if all the money being spent in Donington can uh, you know help improve access to the track and parking and everything else, then maybe they can make it work. And uh, speaking of F one uh, and tracks interested, this is a story I actually came upon a little while ago that I wanted to comment about. Uh, that a racing organizer called Rotterdam Racing or Rotterdam Racing has made a deal to put on a little expose in Russia and Moscow, and they're going to do a little demonstration uh, around the Kremlin. And uh, it's not a race, a street race or anything like that, but it's kind of like a like a Goodwill Festival type of thing. And it's going to take place this coming Sunday, uh, well, a week from this Sunday, July 13th. And uh, several F1 teams are expected to take part in this event. And so... F1 cars are going to be in Moscow, and I thought that was pretty interesting. And yeah, and I, I know they've talked about a, a Moscow street circuit Grand Prix, and, and I don't – I mean, the street circuits are not as good for racing. I think it's exciting to see Formula 1 cars going around through city streets and around the buildings and through the old squares and that kind of thing, and, and Monaco sort of has the exception in that because it's Monaco. Monaco does make it work. But, you know, just for, for sight lines for fans and talk about, you know, access problems and closing down a city and really impacting something. Like, I, I kind of don't like the trend toward more street circuit Grand Prix. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see the Singapore as a night race. I mean, that'll be different and new yeah, because that's never been done. But you got to get clever about it. That's the, yeah. I think that's the key. But uh, but that would be cool to see, you know, a race in uh, you know in, in Moscow or in, in Russia. I know there's a lot of fans there and uh, – and, you know, maybe eventually in, in a number of years we'll have someone like in Poland, you know, with Robert Kubica yeah. generating such a big following. And, you know, that could be a local race for a lot of those guys, and they could come over there. And well, I I'm just sure Robert Kubica will have a lot of fans of the uh, German race as well. All I'm saying is there's finally a race for the Caucasians. <laughs> um, I was looking at uh, Donington Park and its location. It's actually much more north from uh, from Silverstone. It's like kind of smack in the middle of, uh, of England or sort of a little bit north. Well, that's okay. In, in Europe, north and south are backwards to here. They got that wrong. So Yeah. So, but it doesn't look like it. I mean, it's it's off the M1, but I, I don't see that it's, you know, I, I don't know enough about the English countryside and Donington area to know how, how the traffic is going to be, but it doesn't look like it'll be vastly different. Um, but I, I guess we can't say for sure. I don't know. Anyone, uh, English fans, uh, you let us know. Yeah, let us know. I know I know people go to track days and stuff at Donington Park, and, and I don't know much about the layout, but I know they're doing a Herman Tilka redesign. Um, so I'm a little bit worried that it's going to become like every other track. Cookie cutter. Yeah, that it's just going to be it's another Tilka ring and, uh, you know, not have the, the sort of the character. And, and, you know, I know Silverstone's kind of a strange one in itself being an old Air Force base and all that, and it's like really fast and but, flowing for part. But that's like really Sebring here in the States. I mean, but it's, it's cool. I mean, it yeah. works. The 12 hours of Sebring, the Sebring, uh, Florida, that's an old... World War II bomber runway that was turned into a racetrack and uh, holds the uh, season opener to the AL- ALMS every year, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a, it's a it's bumpy and it's flat, but it's a great racetrack. It's yeah. a lot of fun. And Turn One is uh, not too dissimilar from Cops. It's a very fast, wide, and blind hold corner. Your breath, yeah. blind corner. It's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also want to mention, as far as British drivers and British motorsport. David Coulthard has announced, I think he listened to our podcast a couple of weeks ago, that he's hanging out the towel. At the end of this week, or at the end of this week, end of this year, 
Um, he was retiring as a Formula One driver. Oh, no, David, don't do it. Oh, no. So Formula One just got safer for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if they only get that Fisichella character out of there, yeah. So no, Fisichella's done. All it's right. it's not at all. It's 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 not all that unexpected. I mean, he's he's obviously getting on in his years and all that. And yep. I think at some point, just uh, sort of sees Michael Schumacher, who just kind of shows up at races when he feels like it and gets in the car when he feels like it, and just you know has yeah. a crap ton he's of like, money. I want that. He's probably like, you know, I'm getting old. I don't need to, I don't need yeah. to be dicing it up with these kids and crashing into them anymore. So crazy kids. And speaking of that. Uh, uh, the F1 show would like to give a quick, sorry about that, mate, to uh, Sebastian Vettel, who actually got tagged by Coulthard and actually wins the Formula the F1 show's tandem Formula Drift of the yes. Year award. Oh uh, yeah, they, man! They spun in tandem at the beginning of the race. Uh, it was Coulthard's fault. Coulthard admitted to it and apologized to Vettel for it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it looked like a choreographed move with the two cars spinning almost in unison, and they got off onto the grass, and it, it ended Vettel's day and. Um, it was uh, it was it was too bad to see that, but hey. So Vettel, don't worry, Coulthard is retiring. Yeah, that uh, it won't happen again. I think one of the things David Coulthard should do as soon as he retires is buy a performance box because <laughs> the F1 show is supported by performance so- box, a GPS base, lap timer, performance meter, and data logger, perfect for any car nut to use at track days, autocrosses, or to simply see what your car can do, or to you know have when you own a hotel in Monaco. Shipping worldwide from Vivox USA. For more info and the online store, to go to performancedrift.com. So we also have there, – I mean, there's plenty to talk about with the politics of F1 right now. I mean uh, I, there's a lot more in this email from Derek Corolla um, about the, you know, the uh, fallout from Max Mosley scandal um, with um, – and even response to – um, the FIA still playing favorites to Ferrari with the exhaust thing and all that. Yes. But unfortunately, we are on a limited time today, so we're going to have to put that off probably till uh, till next week, or if we have the time, we can do an interim show um, just as a, as a between race update. But um, you know, there's there, there's a lot going on, and I, I, hopefully, we can maybe shift this conversation a bit into the uh, the chat rooms on Facebook and that kind of thing, uh, where we have we can sort of pop in and shift um, it. You know, and, and respond to these things as as we can. So uh, I definitely appreciate the feedback, and uh, I want to encourage everyone else. Like we mentioned, go go to f1show.com. You can comment on the podcasts right there. You can click on the Facebook link and take part in the conversations there. Or I think even the best option is to click on the Skype voicemail button and have your voice right on our show and uh, leave us a voicemail with your questions or comments and any other feedback. Yes, but in a nutshell, Derek, yes, Ferrari does get a little bit preferred treatment. There's there's no doubt about it, and Max Mosley needs to go. So there you have it. Now, predictions. <laughs> uh, okay, we're we haven't been brilliant with our predictions. Well, I, I don't mean, I don't know if anyone's keeping track of, of how close. I I'm going to say once again I got I, I got awfully close. Okay. Last last weekend, last race. Okay. Uh, I was just one little itsy bitsy thing off. This we you you, you and I I fell were into together, your trap this time. I think and. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to go Lewis, but I still had that nagging suspicion that something would just go wrong, and, yep. it, and it didn't. So, now, Hockenheim, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to put Alonzo on pole. Oh, Alonzo. For Hockenheim. And I'm actually going to – I'm not even sure why I'm saying this. I'm going to go Robert Kubica for the win. How about that? It's, it's, it's a German it's German track. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're going to be trying hard. I would see – I would think more – I'm I'm actually going to say Heidfeld on pole. Ooh, uh, yeah, because I, I don't know if it's just the, the 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 grid we saw for today's race or what. That's uh, you know I just want to mix it up and uh, keep it interesting. But 
Um, I think they're going to be trying really hard and to, you know, whether they're just running them light to get a pole. I mean, it's, you know, the uh, German driver, German car, um, German power. I mean, it, it really kind of really kind of makes sense. So um, who's going to win then? Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> All right. I don't I don't ever have to change that one. Oh, I, di- I didn't say Lewis last weekend. Come on, I would have been right if I did. Come on. <laughs> I don't know why you said Raikkonen. That was kind of stupid. Yeah, I that think. was that was kind of a poor call. Yeah, I, I think Hockenheim. I think Alonso because Hockenheim's a bit of a tighter track, and and he's had success there in the past. I think, uh, uh, I think he could do well. See, I think with McLaren, they they fixed the glitch. So that Perhaps. problem should just take care of itself. Perhaps. And maybe we're getting reactionary and it's going to be Riken, Riken, and Riken, and after all, and I'm going to be so <laughs> pissed when that happens. But I'll still be happy because I'm a big Riken fan. So nobody gets any Cokes this week because uh, we, we, we basically yeah. uh, missed There's no way we're going to be right But, about hey, that's this. the nature of predictions, right? <laughs> I mean, that's uh, – yeah, I mean, you know, actually, what you know, it, we didn't say it officially, but last I did actually predict Weber on outside pole for this race. So you just failed to share that with the I rest of us. I just didn't share that with everybody else. Well, but let me just let me just here. It was up Let me here. just congratulate you for your your well called. Thank you, thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Prediction. Maybe that's worth a diet coke. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. All right. Well, we've I got we've got a week now. off, and then it's back to Germany for Hackenheim. And Germany. We will uh, be giving you an next show in two weeks, as always. So until then, I'm Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. See you.